Namaste, everybody. You know, we're going to try and be calm today. We're going to be relaxed. We're going to uh, give you a, a calmer HLTV confirmed here for your Monday. Uh, this is episode 17. So thank you for joining us. As you can see here, we have the guest MSL, Prof and Stryker, as per the usual, as well as Lucas. Uh, today, we're going to be touching on such topics as uh, the Danish scene. We're going to be looking at the recent news, the bits and pieces going over there with conflicts of interest, ants, etc. Uh, looking into the map pool and then uh, doing the quiz. So hang around for all of that bullshit. First and foremost, let's do the introductions. Prof, how are you? Uh, I was just fantasizing about the afternoon nap, but okay. unfortunately, that is not going to be an option today. So, what can you do? Why I'd say not be an option three today? out of three out of ten is how I feel right now. Three out of ten—that's pretty bad. Striker, can you top that? Um, about six out of ten. I had some pancakes like two hours ago. You know, had some breakfasts. Okay, pretty uh, ready. Lucas, say hello to everybody. Hello. Make sure you're still here. Okay, cool. And before we say hi to MSL, let's roll the bloody hot seat. No, we're not ready. Did I, I jump the gun? Lucas, come on, mate. I'm go now. Hot seat. Let's do it. All right. Now that we're back, we can say hello to MSO. MSO, how you doing, mate? I was just talking to you yesterday, actually. What's what's been going on in the 24 hours? Yeah, I uh, I watched the match over again, and then I thought about Vertigo all night, so uh, I'm pretty tired. But uh, yeah, I'm but that's good. good signs, man. That that map, uh, you guys obviously picking up that victory there. It was an upset. I don't think many people are expecting that game to go down in, in that fashion. Uh, so I guess we could we could probably start there and then we'll double back into to getting into what you've been up to over the last year i suppose uh that matchup that you guys had you going into that you're getting a lot more out of out of your players now is this uh, your system finally starting to set on in or are players just putting in more time uh because of of, of the current situation i would say that it's uh, about people getting more comfortable in the system but also like jumpy is doing a lot of work individually with all players and also, our performance coach is uh, is making sure, like he's pushing people to work a lot harder, which makes it easier for me. And uh, yeah, in general, people are just working a lot harder. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, we'll dive back into that a little bit more in depth uh, after. But let's get stuck into the whole. Uh, well, you obviously went over and played for uh, the, part of that Optic roster. You had uh, Raga coaching there. You obviously had Config, Yugi, those kind of names. Do you want to, first of all, kind of run us through that project? Then we'll talk about the Rogue project. And then we'll talk about your reintroduction to North. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Optic one, I, I came from Rogue. I was actually... I was actually in doubt whether if I should take the offer or not because I felt in Rogue, even though we hadn't had the best players, I felt like... Uh, we were building something great and I don't like to build something for three months and then just leave. So it was a hard decision, but it in, in the end I said yes. And then, uh, yeah, we started off, uh, we started off, uh, yeah, I actually don't re even remember how we started. <laughs> I, wa I wanted to ask you something there. Uh, be yeah. Because of that, uh, the transition from Rogue to, to North, you said you like you weren't sure if you wanted to move back. And before that, they had Kadian and he had like a similar thing where he was there and then a Danish offer came in. Uh, how how do you balance those things and how big of a deal is it to be back in Denmark uh, compared to living in NA? Like, I guess that was the, like the primary thing that that got you back, right? Actually, it wasn't. I don't. Uh, I don't really mind where I live because anyway, I'm thinking and doing CS 24/7, so it doesn't really matter for me. 
Um, and Copenhagen and Las Vegas, it may sound stupid, but it's kind of the same because uh, I'm living uh, away from family anyway. So, yeah, it's not making a huge difference. So for me, it was more about that I, even though we did, uh, we began to do good in Rogue, I still felt the ambitions was higher in Optic and I had better players in Optic to play with. But uh, yeah, Optic was a whole different thing. Like I got, uh, I got promised some things that uh, didn't hold up, uh, and it was hard because also for Optic they were selling the company to uh, to models, and uh, we couldn't buy any players. So we kind of got stuck where we had to get players that didn't have any contract. Uh, so it was just a hard project overall, and. Uh, yeah, it didn't work out. Okay. Did you know going going into the project, like, did you hear anything about Optic potentially being sold at that time, or was it like a completely like out of the blue, like a month after you signed, that you figured out like the bigger picture that was going on? I read about it, but uh, but I got told that it wasn't gonna happen. So I I was sure that uh, yeah that we could build something great, but in the end, it didn't turn out that way. So. Yeah, it was pretty sad. Okay. Well, we could. Do we want to ask some questions about Rogue? Because obviously, in that team, you had uh, Ricky, uh, you had Hiko, Vice, and Sick, right? I think that was the, the team right there. Um, so, we, with that kind of roster, there's some older names in that team, right? Some names that we've been seeing around for some time. When you joined that team, did, what, what were your expectations going, going into that? Mm, my expectations was that I could form them exactly how I wanted and uh, and that uh, yeah that they were decent and we could get somewhere and uh, I wanted I'm not gonna lie like I wanted to rebuild the uh, roster a bit uh, even from from the beginning but uh, I took some time and and then I got Nico over in the end and we began to like we we won ECS the first week against uh, Liquid and Complexity and started doing results so yeah I think what was the question again? Just just what your expectations with that team were because for a lot of us right we we see like going over to North America to play for that kind of a team is like uh, it, it's it's a struggle right you're not looking like you, you're not going to be the best team in the world going to a roster like that it's just one of those projects that you go to and you're going to have to put in so much time and work i was just curious like as to what your baseline what you when you saw that team what you wanted to achieve within north america as a region yeah i i just wanted to to improve every day like it wasn't a lot of uh People may think that I just did it for money or whatever, but I actually felt very motivated to take something that was completely out of like uh, the top and try to bring it in the in the top top twenty or top ten at least. Um, and that was my goal coming out over there. Um, yeah, in the end uh, we began to do results, but. Uh, yeah, I got the offer. So, yeah, well, that, that makes wasn't... sense, mate. I'd be taking that offer too. Don't, don't look. I, I can't blame you for that one right there. But what about some comparisons between, um, say, European Counter Strike and the way they do practice and they set up, and North American side of things? Was it very jarring in terms of like, oh, they're only practicing for a few less hours, or we don't have as good teams to play against? Were there big issues like that? Because that's normally what we cite when we talk about the issues that North America have as a as a region. 
Yeah, I think uh, that's the case with NA, but when I'm the leader, I'm coming in with everything that I'm that I used to do in uh, in Europe. So it was the same for me because I made people work as hard as me and uh, work hard in practice and do exactly how I wanted. So I think it would be different if I was just a player coming to a NA team and it was like that, but I made it the way I wanted. So for me, it didn't really, the only thing I can say about practice was that there was very little, uh, like a lot of the teams was in Europe, a lot of the times the good teams. So you only had bad teams to, or like not so good teams to play against. And uh, that way it makes it a bit harder to improve. But other than that, I I didn't feel so much difference. Okay, that's a good one there. So uh, let's fast forward now to when you get the offer to, to rejoin this North project. Was it like Kirby sliding in the DMs? Was it management? Like where, where did that come from? How did this discussion come about getting you to rejoin? Uh, it came from the management uh they called me and we had a, a few meetings where uh, the performance uh, coach was in there to evaluate me as well and uh, the CEO. And uh, those talks went very good. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't rejoin North uh, if there wasn't a different appro approach, like leadership wise and uh, in general, just professional wise. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so we know yeah. that they're a huge company in that sense, right? Like North, uh, is it Copenhagen FC that they're, they're owned by? That's the one, right? So there's a there's probably a lot of, um, ah, I don't want to say pressure, but obviously as a, as a sporting organization with Australis is the same country, there has to be a, a bit of pressure from them for you guys to perform. Is that part of like all the organizational changes? Obviously, Messioso taking over from Wimp. Uh, you've obviously changed coach with Jumpy as well. Is that all coming from the top down? Like how, are, how have uh, you been informed about these kind of changes from the North side of things? Um, I would say that, uh, it's just, uh, it's just the leadership that, uh, that have changed, like the organization, like, even though it's funded by investors like FC Copenhagen and so on, it's still a small organization and it's not like it's just, uh, blessed with all the money in the world. So it's still like a small uh, organization, but they have, they have, uh, hired people that are very good in their area uh like specialized people in their area so i think that's the m main difference now that uh, there's very com competent people around so, so was, were there oh, sorry no, go uh, for, were sorry. there any uh, like requirements from your side like what you wanted from uh from from north to change because obviously you um ended up leaving the roster in what is it 2018 like late 2018 ish so from yeah. that time to to now, like, was there something that you like required to be different um, specifically? Mm, there wasn't really anything I required. I think they knew how how I am and what I want, and uh, they 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 have big ambitions, and I have big ambitions, and uh, it's all about just. Uh, I just felt when I had this talk that uh, that this project could go somewhere because uh, the performance coach uh, have very aligned thoughts as me. Uh, and that's what, uh, there wasn't really like, when I talked with him, I didn't really need to require so much because I could feel that it was the, it was on the right way. 
Yeah, we have a little bit of a technical issue with your <laughs> webcam right now, MSL. I I, I one, bit, bit we like might need to get uh, Lucas. Lucas, what would you, as the producer of this show, uh, say is the issue right here? Uh, I think the internet. Lucas? Lucas? He's trying to fix it. All right, well, there we go. Here we it's go. Fixed. It's fixed. Ooh, We're back. Nice. All right, so we don't, have to, we don't even have to pretend there was an issue. We'll just keep on moving forward. Um, okay, so you're talking a lot about this performance coach, right? And you're saying how that he's kind of making it so that you don't have to focus on what the other guys are doing so much, right? I think that is, is hugely important. But can you kind of, for the viewers at home, because um, I've been in your shoes before as an in-game leader a couple of years ago with the sense of having, you, you're like the dad of the team, right? You have to babysit all these kids. You kind of look after them from an emotional standpoint as well as telling them, went to practice do you, like in terms of having this new guy how much has he taken away from you how much more do you just get to focus on the game of counter-strike and being an in-game leader you have taken a lot away like as you said uh, and i'm sure you you relate with that is that uh, i before i had like six jobs in one job probably and uh, he have taken away both that like like I would say that Jumpy and him have taken away a lot of responsibilities so I can focus on myself. That being like uh, making sure that people uh, uh, play a lot and uh, and uh, improve individually and uh, that they are feeling good. And uh, I just basically need to think about the tactics and uh, what I want to do and my individual game. So I would say that right now I'm very happy about that because it has changed a lot for me because before, like I had, uh, I couldn't focus so much on myself because I didn't trust other people to, to do the work that I did uh, good enough. But now I have people that I trust and uh, I think that makes a really big difference. And I think that's a perfect segue into the next topic here is obviously people who don't know how you've reinvented yourself as a player within teams, you've taken up the mantle of, of the primary AWPA for a lot of occasions here. And in that game versus mouse sports, you were hitting some like proper good AWP shots, right? Now, normally when we talk about you, it's an AWPA who would just focus on holding a line and you're using it more like a utility. But here you were being like very assertive. Is, is that like a influence of having all this extra time to focus on yourself? Um, I, I would, I would say that I just, yeah, I would say that I think a lot more about myself and, but I think always also like one year back, I also did offensive peaks, but I think for me, it was mostly, it's mostly on the T side where I have thought a lot more about my role and what I want to do because on the city side before I thought a lot about what I wanted to do, even though I focused like a lot on other stuff. So it's mostly on T side where I really have put in more thought on myself and uh, yeah. Okay, what so about uh, the changes in terms of like how much you micromanage the rest of the team? Because when you were in North before, I'm not sure what the interview I was reading, but somebody said that like there was a lot of micromanaging really, that, that, that you were kind of like directing every single player and then North had to adjust from that because obviously they lost you in the, in the late 2018 period. So for longer than a year and a half, they didn't really have you as an in-game leader. Did you find like a difference in that when you came back in how much you needed to, to micromanage the team? Mm, I would say it's kind of the same, like I micromanage still, but it's not in the same way. Like when there's good players like uh, that can think for themselves, like here, then I micromanage uh, less. 
So, yeah, I would say that it was the same as when I was here before. Okay. okay. Is it important having somebody like Cajun in the team? Because we look at him as like a veteran uh, these days. Is he somebody who's doing like the any mid-round calling if, if you're not doing it or if he sees something? Is he the this kind of secondary guy in that role or is it the team all contributes or you just have full dominion over, over every decision? I would say that uh, some games it's a lot me and other games people take a lot more responsibility. So like, for example, against mouse sports, uh, Kiabu took a lot of responsibility, especially on the CT side. And like, it's, it's different. There's not like really one like second guy where I can say this is the guy that helps me. It's mostly that we all people just come with ideas. And if I don't feel like I, I know exactly what I want to do, then I just ask what are, what are people's thoughts? And then we come to the best solution that way. So I would say I, I get more inputs than I did before, for sure, because I think in the end, like, uh, if we only play with my thoughts, then we are never going to succeed because uh, I need, like, inputs and I need people taking responsibility when I can see something. Okay, perfect. All right, guys, do you have any more questions about the, the orping or the, the team side of things? So we might move forward into talking about jumping. Well, and stuff. it's just generally, obviously, you've like come back to orping like kind of periodically, like every now and again, you just come back to it, either depending on um, on player changes and stuff like that. Is that something that you're constantly drawn to? Is that something, or basically, why do you think it works to have like a combination of an in game leader and an opera? Why do you think you're com coming back to it? I think that uh, for me, I can perform uh, pretty good and stable individually with the orbs by just playing smart and uh, finding loopholes in in the opponent game where I can uh, yeah find smart peaks and uh, like I'm never gonna be a simple or voxic hitting crazy shots but I think I can put on a stable level and the way I see it is that. If I was rifle, I would probably not be contributing a lot individually. Uh, but if I'm playing stable with the orb, uh, and we have four rifles that are playing uh, at a good level, then I think we can do the most damage rather than having uh, someone other orb. And like I would say, if I had a device that could pick up the orb instead, then. Uh, I would of course go on rifle, but I don't feel like there's anyone in Denmark that uh, that can do it to a to a level where I would feel that it would be a benefit for the whole team. Like someone, Aker could probably put up put up better stats, but I think for the team it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't uh, be better. Why do you think uh, somebody like Yugi didn't work out? I know that you didn't play with him in North, like because you obviously replaced him. Um, but you guys, no, you guys actually haven't played together before. Um, so why do you think it didn't work with him? Because like three years ago, he was the guy who would like everybody saw as like the next player to to make that step up to like Astralis or North and you know become the next big opera. But that obviously didn't happen. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I never played with him, but uh, I think he's a he's a bit of a quiet guy so i would say that i think it's a lot about taking responsibility in his own like uh, play and what he want to do and uh, yeah as a orb you need to take uh, a lot of responsibility you need to say i want to do this you need to read the game like where can you get peaks 
So I think that's that's his biggest challenge, I would say, okay. from what I heard. Got a bit of the skadoodle syndrome there, I guess, you know. Someone who's a bit quiet doesn't yeah. really want to pipe on up with uh, the orping duties. You got anything, Prof, or we, we keep this one moving? No, I, ju- I just thought of skadoodle instantly when he was saying that. Yeah. So that, that was like a same same connection right there. All right, so we've already heard you talking about the performance coach, and you, me- and you mentioned Jumpy's name. But uh, we obviously do a lot of talking about coaches and stuff, and we, we, we don't know a lot of information because people keep the chips quite close to their chest. Um, so with you having to play over a couple of different organizations, you always had Rugger as a coach, we've had Mitha, we've had Jumpy now. Uh, th- there's been a lot of different coaches throughout your career um, and even just the coaching role in, in general. What are you kind of using the coach for at the moment? Because I would say you're still one of the more traditional in-game leaders. Um, is Jumpy and you, is it like 50-50 or is it your ideas and then he's doing the a- analysis? What kind of relationship do you guys have? Yeah, so right now, like this system is is mine because I think if you are if you are not creating your own system, then you will not feel it when you are in the game. So in that sense, it's my system. But actually, it's like I think it's the first time with a coach where where uh, I have gotten so many ideas like to me and like new tactics. And the good thing about uh, Jumpy is that he's very good at improving like individual players and how like fixing their mistakes fixing possibilities that they can do and uh, yeah he's very good at that and he have come up with a lot of good tactics as well Um, anti-strat we are like we are all all players and coach and me is all watching games uh, in order to uh, to prepare good and uh, me and Jumpy is sparing together, like talking about what should we do uh, and how should we approach this game. So it's like 50-50 in that regard. And uh, yeah. Okay, that's that's a, that's good to know right there. So uh, when you're saying, you know, it's your system, so you feel it in game. Do you want to cut, like, can you, is there anything, I don't want you to give away like your tactics and all that kind of shit, but is there anything that you can kind of do to or say to get, tell the viewers uh, what you mean by that? Because I don't think a lot of people, if they haven't played in a professional team, will understand exactly uh, what you're talking about when you say if it's not your own system, you, you won't feel it. Yeah, so on the T side, it's mostly on the T side. Um, the system is that like everyone know exactly what they're going to do at all times. And I know what people are going to do. And I know what grenades are they going to use. Because in the end, like if you don't have the grenades you need to use, then you're then you a lot of times can get screwed. And probably that's where I differ from a lot of in-game leaders. I think some of the, like, I think that a lot of teams are doing it on the fly and, and I'm more like uh, in a default, let's, for example, uh, none of the grenades that people are throwing are random. Like, so I know exactly w- what we have at the end. So, yeah, I would say... And also just in general, like the tactics after the defaults I have created. And uh, so I know exactly what to use when I see something that I need to counter and so on. Okay. Just just for maybe the people that don't understand this, maybe I can try to how how I interpreted it. So you can confirm if that. So your approach is instead of like most teams, let's say a phase, they just go take, do their default and then it's Inferno, it's like 40 seconds left. Then they're like, okay, 
what smokes do you have? Okay, we have two smokes, one molly. We can do a, maybe a B execute. Then they, they think about like what, what they can do with those grenades. And in your approach, it's like at the beginning of the round, uh, we need to save like three smokes. So like A, Z, Kier, B, Cajun, don't use your smokes. And we need like two flashes and two mollies. And the other things can be used. So at the end of the round, at that like 30, 40 second mark, you already know yeah, you are going to go towards like a specific set set strat that you that you have right when other teams they need to use in those 40 seconds they need to use 10 seconds to figure out what smokes they have like where can they use them how can they use them what they're what they're countering and stuff like that right yeah it's it's a lot like that but it's uh yeah yeah i would say you explained it pretty good it's it's a bit more detailed but i can't explain it any any better yeah, that makes sense <laughs> We don't That's want you fine. to give away anything here. That's the thing. This is why it's so difficult when we like do the interviews with in-game leaders and coaches at like events and stuff. And you want to ask all these juicy questions, but you know they're not going to be able to give too much away. And, and we we get all that. So uh, there was one question I had. Oh, here it is. If right now with like Counter Strike and, and North the way it is, and the support stuff that you have, um, if you let's just say that North had a, a blank checkbook and you could have anything that you wanted in the world in terms of like uh, more staff or somebody to do a certain job or um, you could have tools to, to be able to break the game down in certain ways. What, what do you need or is there anything that you need or want to uh, kind of add to your arsenal when it comes to being a team or an organization or anything like that? Or are you you're pretty happy? I'm actually pretty happy, but it's also because I'm the kind of guy that uh, I like a lot of responsibilities. And that's actually like, I like the six jobs, you know, as I talked about before. And someone need to tell me you shouldn't do this because you should focus on this yeah i know that feeling so uh, right now i'm very happy and uh, yeah i think it's someone else that need to say you should have this and then i will like think about it and understand like why i should have it okay but uh, yeah i think right now a lot of things have uh, changed in order for me to focus more on myself Perfect. All right. So let's talk a bit about EPO and the road to Rio, which uh, have been going down over the last month or so now, and obviously the shift back to uh, online Counter-Strike. Now, EPO was, you know, a kind of mixed results for you guys, I suppose. But then when we look at uh, road, to, road to Rio, you guys have kicked off uh, in, in pretty good fashion, I would say. That win yesterday against Mount Sports uh, was a huge one right there. What have your kind of biggest takeaways been so far on this journey? Uh Firstly, EPL, like uh, we won against Navi and then we uh, we lost against Force and Fnatic and Complexity. So like in EPL, I actually played very, very poorly individually. And that's where I really understood like I need to focus on myself. So I would say that a lot of it came down to bad decisions from like we made a lot of mistakes and that I played very poorly. Um, I think against Fnatic, we uh, we could have won Vertigo. They did a mid-rush and an A-rush that uh, we should have been ready for, but that's how it is sometimes. It's like small things that uh, happens. But uh, yeah, for the road to Rio, I think against FaZe, we, uh, we played actually uh, very bad, uh, but we came back on the Inferno side uh, and on nuke it was it was close uh, we lost the Antiago that screwed our uh, side, so they ended up winning the match and 
yeah, then we played Mouseports and uh, that was a very important win. So, yeah, overall, not, right now we have faced like Face and Mouseports and now there's G2 left. And the rest of the teams are like uh, teams that we should beat, but that are also the like hardest games to play because, uh, yeah, they are just very hard, all those games to play right now. But uh, I think for us, it's looking very good and... Uh, we just need to focus uh, one game at a time. Sweet. All right. So we'll probably get into talking about some of the online Counter-Strike stuff in a little bit later here. We're going to jump into the recent news. So uh, let's play the bumper, Lucas. All right, we're back. Uh, I haven't seen that one, so I'm glad that I got to see that little bumper. That one's cool. All right, so we got some recent news to cover, guys. You guys have obviously been keeping up with all the bits and pieces that have been going on. Uh, global situation, we're all well aware of that one right there. So things have had to change. So the biggest one that was uh, a talking point recently, and this I think caught everybody by a surprise, that there was even a fucking tweet or an email that went out about this whole vote situation right now. Let me tell you, as a, as a matter of motherfucking fact, that didn't come from ESL. Like the email did, but the, the, it, it's 100% from Valve. There's no way first ESL are coming out and asking that dumb cunt question. That's, that's a Valve question right there. So let's just, anybody who wants to point fingers, look at Valve. Let's not, let's not start any bullshit here because you're picking sides. Clearly me in the background here is a fucking chill. Anyway, um, we're going to talk <laughs> about the, the coaching rule and the vote about it so i think emma so you're probably the best person to start with this did did this come across your table did you like see this email come through and you were like what, what the fuck's going on yeah it came on the player union and i thought uh, why are we even talking about yeah. this so yeah i just laughed and didn't pay much attention I think that people overreacted when they first saw it because anybody who is being logical would obviously, and, and I know the vote was, was it was the vote in the, if one person voted against it, that there would yep. be no coaches. So that right there, that right apparently. there. Why the fuck is that? Anyway, let's, namaste guys, we're staying chill. I'm going to stay relaxed today. It's calm. It's my day off. The sun, okay. Um, so the vote happened. The vote happened as we, as we know, and uh, everybody, now the coaches can talk uh, in the entirety. And that's, that's how it should be because I'm we can't... curious about if that was actually the case, because I'm not entirely sure that that was ever said anywhere officially that everybody voted. Yes. Just that that was the, the conclusion basically. So I'm just curious if that actually happened because I feel like that's so unlikely that 56 teams or whatever it was actually voted for coaches to be allowed to speak at all times. But did they I feel end up like voting? there's no way. I'm sorry. Did they end up voting? Does MSL know? Like that's that's could be the, I don't the question. Think we, I don't think we ended up voting. I'm there not sure. I, I think that uh, in the player union, I just saw a lot of people saying uh, we can find 10 different ways to uh, go yeah, over yeah. this rule. So I think Valve just figured out by player union, maybe. That's that's the gist of it, basically. If there's a rule that you can't enforce, that's probably not a good way to, to have it in your rule book in the first place. So I think, yeah, I think Valve kind of came to their senses and realized that this wasn't a good idea to... Um, to try to enforce. So, but but what it means now, um, ladies and gentlemen at home, is that the coaches can basically be doing what we all assumed when uh, when when we had the whole Starix situation. So uh, that coaches would be able to talk the entire time. Now, 
Uh, it is my understanding that this is just going to be for the online portion. Now, we obviously don't know how long we're going to be stuck with, with online Counter-Strike for. Uh, it's seeming like a long time. So this is probably a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing in the sense of coaches still get to be a part of all this. It's a bad thing because maybe teams will become uh, reliant on having the coach contributing. Obviously not North because you guys obviously have used the traditional in-game leader, but there are certain teams who could who could benefit from this in the short term? Do we think that this is going to overall be just? A, a, do we think this is going to be a good or a bad thing? We have the thumbs. I didn't organize the thumbs. Hold up a second. No, fuck the thumbs, Lucas. Don't worry about the thumbs. No, it's going it. to take. Yeah. It's going to take too long. Um, let's do this, Prof. With this whole situation, what, what's your what's your take on it? Do you think this is a is an issue? Something we should even be worried about? I think it just comes with the online CS layer. There's nothing to to do about it. As you said, like some teams will benefit from from it more. I think like. North is probably not going to be one of those teams because, as we know, MSL has its own system, as you just talked about in the first part of the show. But maybe teams like even watching FaZe yesterday, uh, I know on the stream you guys were saying like, ah, oh, uh, they're doing these these things and that those things. Like Yanko should have a lot of impact on on things that are going on in the rounds. Like I, I think in the long term, you don't want coaches to get in, involved into these like mid round calls and stuff that. And next week on LAN, you won't be able to do. But in the situation we are right now, where the next LAN could be like six months away from now, like it, I think it's worth worth it for all the coaches to get as involved as they can to, just to get the better results. Because it, it, like one of one match one can mean so much in, in the long run, right? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I, it's something we have to accept. As, as, as Strager said, there is no way around it. Like, you can't really ban it. There's so many ways to, to, to just do some shady stuff and have your coach talk to people. So banning it is, is useless. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not ideal, but it is what it is. It's online CS. Okay. Well, do we have much more to say about this topic? I feel like this one's pretty open and shut case, guys. No, I'm just, I'm just really glad that, the, that this actually happened because if, if it was uh, banned, then we just see, we obviously wouldn't see it because they'd be probably pretty smart about like going around it. But, we just all know that coaches are still having impact on games and just didn't know how. And we had to like kind of like pretend like we don't know. That's that's that that would have been a shit situation. So I'm just glad that it got resolved. Yeah, so the, the right outcome here. Now, I'm going to jump around with the order of the recent news that we have. I, I don't want to go into the conflict of interest one next. I want to get through the next two because I think they're probably shorter conversations. So let's start with the sick retires from competitive play. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, Sick, uh, I just mentioned before, was playing with with MSL for a little while there on that Vice roster. Not Vice roster, Vice was a player. Uh, on the Rogue roster. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's retired and assumably going to chase a career in Valorant. Now, let me, just, let me just get this out there for everybody. If you want to go for a career in Valorant, that's fine. But if you think Riot are going to be running any tournaments for the next two years, you've probably got another fucking thing coming, ladies and gentlemen. Um, they're going to do probably the exact same thing they did with League, have third parties run their tournaments. It's probably you know going to take some time and then they'll get picked up and then you'll see it in the whole league of legends ecosystem so if you jump in the gun now and you want to get in unless you're vac banned or fucking banned for match fixing or some shit and you're doing that you better have you know the ability to go hard because this ain't going to be no easy fucking changeover you're getting people from all these different games coming on in who also want to go professional in this shit what is it what are we looking at here like of all the people playing to be an elite level player we're talking what like five percent maybe so I, I think this is a curious one, but did you get to, to talk or did you get to know Sick very well when you were in the team, MSL? Yeah, a bit. Um, yeah, he was uh, he was pretty good, actually. I was impressed with him and I think that 
he could have made it to something. Uh, but I think uh, in the end, Broke went down, then he joined Complexity, I think, and uh, got kicked from that. So maybe he didn't have so many possibilities and just thought, I'm going to try this. But I think it's pretty sad because I think he was uh, good and had uh, like potential. Yeah, the season was floating around that North American scene for a while there and just didn't seem to get picked up by the bigger names. He was playing with uh, Twists a while ago, right, with Sean Kerr's team. Yeah. yeah, so like he's he's had like opportunities, but as, as we're saying here, it's very finite how many people actually get get picked up. How many more people do we think, uh, Stryker, are we going to see going in a, in a similar vein from, from Counter-Strike? You think it's going to be a lot? Um I mean, it's obviously going to be people like Sick. I think in, with his, in his case, like you were saying, kind of makes sense from the point of view that he obviously has been around for a while and has. I, I thought saw some meme like somewhere or some joke that like finally people are going to stop calling him an up and coming up and coming player because he's basically been that for like the last five years, but never really made anything out of it. You know, never really made it to like one of those higher teams in in North America. Always been like a, around that top four, top five team, or somewhere along those lines. So. Um, yeah, from that point of view, I can see how players like that will just like get demotivated to keep trying in CS:GO because they just haven't really made anything out of it for like multiple years. Um, for players outside of that, I'm not sure that it, that it makes perfect sense, just because obviously, like, they're most of them will be pretty young and still have a lot of time to to do something in CS. So it just depends on on like at what stage of motivation they are in CS at the time of the release of Valorant, basically. I think also like a thing that people forget here is is the key before you become a professional p- player is falling in love with the video game just because of that fact. Like I'm sure all people around my age or you could even take five or six years off of, off of my fucking 30 years and, and people would have all fallen in love with Counter-Strike in the same way. It was something that you, you picked up, you played probably with some mates and it became an obsession. Like you're at school and you're drawing in your notebook or you, you know, you're taking a shit and all you can think about is wanting to get back in the server and you know try out this new smoke or something that you were thinking about. Like Counter-Strike is, is an obsession, right? And, and I think it's great that all of us have had an opportunity to build a career off of it. But the thing that I think is same probably for all four of us right here in this podcast is that counter-strike is something that we truly do obsess over right like and i think that has to be the cornerstone for people in anything that they do in life so i i get it six feels like he's missed the window in cs there's going to be some good money in valorant that's for sure give it a crack but but make sure that you you love it otherwise it's going to feel like a disingenuous uh you know adventure there do we have anything else we want to talk about valorant or cs or pellet players or we want to talk about uh, old boy yampy from ents that's yeah, Yampy, man. Yampy, it is. All right, so another team adding a sixth, but this time it seems a little bit um, silly because Yampy's vac banned, right? So uh, they can't even use the guy in majors. I'm not really sure about this one, Prof. You, you got anything on on this one? Uh, I don't. I honestly don't know. What, like, I still didn't make my mind up about it. Like, from one perspective, the the, the fact that he is back banned kind of makes more sense as a six-man roster because obviously he can't play in the major events, but then he can play in all of the other events. So then you get some sort of a dist- distribution of who plays where and get, get a rotation in. Like in the Astralis case, you could literally have the f- five players playing everything. But I, I don't know. Like, from one perspective, he is an up-and-coming player. He is an Opper, but still he's super young. So Sergey as well was kind of leaning towards the op in his like earlier days, and then he came into ends and and the what was it the Havu team as well, and he wasn't topping there. So he he can 
obviously play the rifle, so that's an okay thing. But I don't know. I, I really can't can't say much about ants at this point. It's like I, we kind of all g- given up on them until they do something pretty good, well, and now it's just fanatic, like so <laughs> I didn't yeah. lost, then they lost then, the next game anyway. So yep. I'm still still yeah. Jury's yeah. out on that one for Got sure. Banged out by Heretics. Definitely so. But what this does is it gives us the chance to have the six man roster conversation again. MSL, what the fuck do you make of this six man roster situation? Astralis, they think they're going to try it. Ents, they they want to get in there too. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not sure honestly. Uh, I think there are some pros like uh, it can like in Astralis sense. I understand that maybe it's like to pressure people to work harder or to make sure that they are on the lineup. In that sense, I think it can be good, but it also depends on the people how they are reacting to it. Uh, I just think that CS is so detailed and chemistry in-game. There's so many factors that you can't build from sitting and spectate. So I think it's going to be very hard to stay consistent with six guys. But I can't really say until we we see it. What do you make of the S attack situation? Obviously, you might know some things from behind the scene. I'm sure you, all your Danes talk at some point. Uh, but it, what do you, do you think it's just um, bringing him in as a way to potentially hide a roster change in the future and just go, oh, we're trying the six-man thing and, and then just do it to replace someone in a couple of months? Or do you think they're using it as motivation? What do you think their angle is? I have actually no idea. I, I don't know. But uh, okay. my, my guess would be motivation. Yeah, I, I think for the Astralis guys, right, in, in terms of, you know, you've got this team, you've won so many majors together and stuff, it would seem like a shame just to break it up. This could be a, a genius move from the organization to motivate the players, but a little bit unfortunate for Esetag, potentially might get stuck in, in prison over there. Um, do we do we want to, I think I'm fucking done with the six-man stuff. Why am I asking the question? Let's keep moving. We're going to talk about the conflict of interest ruling. Now, this one here, Striker, you want to explain to everybody kind of uh, what happened a couple years ago and then now the, the kind of 180 from Valve? You mean the conflict of interest conversation, Well, right? the fact that they kind of trashed all of the academy teams and stuff and, and they binned all that and then yeah. where we are now. I It's just so confusing to me, honestly, just because, like you say, it's complete 180. Like, what what is it, like a... Less than a year ago or like a year ago, there was that uh, that blog post about like conflicts of interest and how they're taking a big stance against it and, and like making sure that no team has that potential conflict of interest in, in like the same competition that they're in. So I like for that to suddenly change, I feel I like just Valve realized that they can't really regulate it. They can't really, you know, figure out who has conflicts of interest. Like they can't uh, prove anything without, you know, the team's cooperation most likely unless they're going to have like some outside party helping them out with with investigations into these kind of things so with the small team that that we think csgo has like valve has uh, working on csgo it's probably impossible for them to regulate it properly so maybe that's why they they they've changed their minds about this and just like having promote the conversations so that teams at least can't get away with it you know without having some backlash about it um, so yeah, that's that's the only thing that I can come up with that that makes sense to me because it's just a complete change of direction from them. 
Yeah, so those who missed it, uh, it was MIBR versus Yeah that went down the, the other night. And, and a lot of people might not be too familiar with who Yeah is. Yeah is a Brazilian team who uh, I believe it's Taco Dead and Zeus, potentially called Zero as well, oh, zero, uh, yeah. all have like, is it stock or their investors or, or, or something within that organization? And obviously MIBR with Taco in the team uh, going up against that that squad. That's where you look at that and you go, hold up a second. Like what what's going on here now? That is... Um, it is a problem. I don't think anybody would would deny that there's a problem there. But I think one thing that I want to assume that everybody is, is like me, uh, in the sense of if you're a competitor, the the first thing, no matter about everything else, is you just want to win. But we obviously know that's not the case with all Counter Strike players, as we've seen in the past. People doing some some match fixing to make some money off of skins. So uh, this is the kind of weird gray area that we don't want to find ourselves in. The only reason that the, the likes of Taco Fall and Cold Zero and Co could even start establishing um, a Counter Strike base within the world was because they got gifted an opportunity. Right? Remember Flusher? He gave them some money. When we were Vox Eminor, we gave some money to help them going to events and stuff. Stuff. and that was from other teams right and other individuals and it was it was a charitable thing and now you look at taco and co having investments in smaller organizations in their you know country or wherever they they're in north america at this point it's can be looked at from a negative point of view or it could be looked at from a positive point of view like they're trying to stimulate you know uh, the, the next generation of counter-strike players because they were they had a thing where they could buy some of the players in there as well i think was that part of one of these clauses prof yeah yeah that, they had some like because as we know brazilian law has some like weird stuff where the buyouts can be five thousand times bigger than the salary like the pele law or something so buyouts are practically impossible or normal normal let's say prices so i guess the, their agreement is like we can have a normal buyout between yeah and mibr right so, so where are you on this one, Prof? Like, where do you do you think this is like a no-go stuff? Like, this shouldn't be happening. What, what do you, what's your take on this whole situation? I mean, I, I agree with what you said about the like the like kind of passing on and helping the people beneath you. Like, even the the team that that was FNX, Taco, right, and Colzera and those guys, the Golden Opportunity was like a fallen-based thing in in uh, in South America. And then they they went to to obviously North America. Then they changed teams and stuff like that. Here it is a kind a kind of bit of it's going in the direction of being a little bit more connected than just being like oh let's hand some of these players an opportunity to go and play because of these things like oh we can buy you out and stuff like that and like seven different own owners and fr from what I remember like yeah was tied to Fallen directly when it when it came up. Obviously, nothing now on paper to prove that, but there, there are like so many connections between those teams that it's obviously it's not really something that should be happening. At the same time, do I really think that anything would happen? Like, there is any pressure on these yeah players that to to like give up the like to to drop the match or anything like that? I don't think that. But in the end, the what Striker said is like Valve can't. I mean, they don't want to hassle with checking all of these things. And most of the things are like super hard to check because you can go to like seven different people or like random random countries where you base your company. So they're just like, okay, this is happening, and now uh, ESL, you deal with this. And uh, the way they did it, like <laughs> dumping it on them one day before the before the thing happened, uh, it's kind of it's kind of fucked up. But it's the classic Valve way of handling this. Just like, okay, 
we're giving you the game and you figure out all of these uh, messed up situations. But and even that is, is is just confusing just because obviously like Valve on one side say, okay, we just want to promote the discussion, blah, 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 blah. But then the ESL next day come up with, okay, we're going to like do an investigation into this and see if we, we want to take further action. So like it feels like there's some, there's miscommunication between the two sides about what the approach should be towards this. I, I don't think there's a miscommunication. I think this okay. is Valve doing what they always do. And it's taking advantage of the good nature of these companies because they're in no position to come out. Uh, ESL are in no position. Face it, are in no position. Uh, PGO, or, uh, Kidless TOs for the fucking wazoo. They're in no position to come out and publicly criticize Valve for throwing them under the bus time and time again. Starladder at the major with the it, Go TV thing as well. Yeah, the, the the DMCA stuff from Starladder, the face at major where there was no footsteps on Inferno, they were all Valve problems. Is Valve coming out and going, hey, you know, sorry guys, guess what? Face it got fucking destroyed by the community because there were so many technical delays. A lot of those issues within the early stages was a Valve issue. But guess what? Because we're running the major in Europe, Valve's asleep in the morning when we're playing out. They're not awake. I've been there in, in the production rooms with like the admin teams, everybody, oh, we're trying to get hold of Valve, no one's awake. We're running the fucking major. What do you mean no one's awake? Valve used to come to every major and be on site, right? We're not in the major right now. We're just in the qualification process. But here's, here's the problem I have, guys at home, is that with these companies, this is my job. I work with these people. I spend a lot of time with these people. These people become who I consider, you know, acquaintances, and then they become friends. If you've, I get to see how much work they put in. Uh, for me, ESL isn't a company. ESL is all the people I know at ESL. It's the same with Face. It's the same with all of these different companies that I worked at. I think of the people first. I don't think of the fucking logo like you guys do at home. And then what happens, Valve send out these emails and say, hey, you get to run our major. That also means you get to carry the fucking burden of all of our bullshit. And then you'll deal with it because guess what? We will just tell you the way it is and you will do it. And you have to ask us for approval on everything. And if we say no, then that you have to say, well, you have to do what we say. Valve have full control over these companies and the way that they approach majors. So for, for ESL to get thrown under the bus, how are ESL asking about the coaching? It's not ESL, it's Valve. How are ESL now asking about the conflict of interest? Dave, it's not ESL, it's Valve. Remember that. You, they're making these companies look like bad guys for, for no reason. Have they had plenty of fuck-ups in the past, all these companies? Yeah, they have. But are these things their fault? No. So stop fucking for one second, jumping on the bad wagon and use your little fucking brains. Namaste. Anyway, back to relaxing now. Um, MSO, you got you got much you know about the conflict of interest or should we should we keep this one going? I mean, North did also kind of suffer from this by by way of the academy team. That's say. true. Like you you guys had the academy team. That was like a place where you could develop talent. Then those guys couldn't go to any events because North was going to those events. Then uh, in the end, it was like you can't play the minors. You can't play even the tournaments before the tournament where uh, te your team could be. And then it's like, OK, let's just cut these guys because it makes no sense for them or for us to, to have that. So that pretty cool stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have so much to say about it. It's all good. We'll keep it going because now we'll get to a topic that you should uh, you should know a lot about right there. We're going to move across and talk about the Danish scene. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the Danish Counter-Strike scene uh, has been, I don't know if we could even argue it anymore. I would say within the last, what are we going to go, three years, Danish Counter-Strike has been across the board in terms of, you know, the second and third, maybe even the fourth best teams having the most success. Um they've looked like the best region for Counter-Strike. So MSL, what's the secret? You want to you tell us all so we can all be as good? I think uh, 
I think that Danish people are in general very structured in the way they work and I think it benefits a lot uh, and also just the fact that uh, always when I have been on the scene there have been a lot of good in-game leaders that have uh, learned like the up-and-coming players how to play probably and like uh, improving them a lot so I think those are the two things I would say uh, builds it up pretty good. So it's been is that, like, is, is that a cultural thing that then comes because it's not like other countries don't have in-game leaders, but there is this I don't know I guess perception where in-game leaders are just thrown aside and new new guys come in and don't want to listen to the older guys and stuff like that. And in Denmark, it really has been as you said. Like there's Hunden, then he plays with MSL and Glaive, and then other guys, and then those guys plays with other guys, and just like kind of passed on. So do you think it's like a specific cultural thing with like a lot of respect to higher ups and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I just think that uh, in general, maybe it's also the bad weather in Denmark. People are going more inside and playing. But I think mostly it's because there have been so many in-game leaders like Barry, Hunten, Regin, like a lot of players who have uh, taught to younger players. And also we have always had like gather systems uh, also way back where uh, players played, like when there wasn't face it, players played uh, together and learned a lot from each other. Look, if, if weather was the answer, then I think UK would not be in the place that it is right now. <laughs> That's a good point right there. I, I think. Do you think it's a, a weird reason in Denmark that so many people have wanted to, to be in-game leaders? I know that you picked up being an in-game leader. It wasn't necessarily something that w- was on the top of your list, but there's been so many people who have, who have pivoted to that role, whereas we look at, let's just use Sweden, one of your neighbors, it seems like it's real fucking difficult to find in-game leaders over there, whereas you guys, I could list people who are competent in-game leaders, like it, it would take me all day, I could just keep going with a lot of those names there and what they've been able to accomplish. So do you know why there's been a lot of in-game leaders in Denmark or is it just random? I'm not sure. Maybe it's like a culture thing that uh, Danish people are taking more responsibility. I'm not sure, honestly. It's... I mean, Swedish it's CS has always also been very different from from Danish, and it comes back to the structure because I don't, I can't really come up with a Swedish team that had a lot of structure in all of CS. Like, I can't remember even back in one point six if there was like maybe some... the, the threat team Acer. Oh yeah, in, threat, in threat, threat maybe is like one of the the exception to that rule. Where like if you look back through all the iterations of Fnatic and IP, even back SK and Fnatic, like in one point six, none of those were particularly structured teams, even under Karn. He just had a lot of talent under him, so he had like he had the benefit of that basically. But none of them were particularly structured. They played pretty loose, all of the all of those teams. So I think that that's the structure is uh, is a pretty big part of that, I think, in Denmark. I, I think to, well, I, I don't I don't know. I would assume this is a pretty big factor as well, especially over the last couple of years. Uh, is Australis being the best team in the world? Right, that obviously has a big pull from traditional media, and once that's blown in everybody's face within your country, it's not a huge country. Let's be honest. Um, every they become household names, right? I was on a plane on the way back from maybe it was New York, and I sat down and I would. Say hello to the people next to me like a normal dude. We're going to sit next to each other for 10 hours. You want to at least say something. And um, they were Danish. And I went, oh. And they were older. You know, they were probably in their 40s. And I said, oh, do you know Counter-Strike? And they're like, yeah, Australis. And I was like, holy shit. So do you think that's had an impact on at least um, making this 
as something that the, the, the country sees as, as a very viable career path and people have no issues letting their kids play video games for 10 hours a day? Yeah, I think that makes a huge difference, but I don't think that that difference have come yet. Like that will be maybe in five years that there will be even more like uh, upcoming talent. But yeah, I think that will make a huge difference in the in the future. But I think right now it's just about uh, structured in-game leaders in the past that have learned from them. So, so in the future, right? Obviously, right now there's this North, there's Mad Lions. Uh, we've got the heroic roster rebuilding over there. Astralis, of course. Uh, in terms of like the next generation of players, are you like we had Messioso on the show yesterday, and we were asking a couple of questions, and he was talking about the future and scouting for players and all those kind of bits and pieces of the, the next generation. Is that something that, that you worry about at all? Do you see any of the Danish youngsters coming up and, and know of any talents outside of those those bigger teams that I just listed? Um. I don't really know too much, um, but I'm looking at some games like Copenhagen Flames. I'm looking sometimes to see uh, how they are doing and yeah, how they are playing. But what about Farlig when you're talking about Copenhagen Flames? Because he's been kind of passed up like twice or three times now to like that step up. Yeah, he seems like a, a pretty good orb and uh, stable orb. So I think that uh, he could be a future good player all right well, we're going to jump into uh what do we got here the danish scene power rank we're going to jump to that lucas i'm going to send you the link for the the danish rankings right now as they are on htv.org you've got it you want to bring that up you don't have it i'll send it to you that's all right we can wait <laughs> We're going we're gonna to talk through here like as the teams stand right now and uh, kind of work out as a collective who we think is uh, the, the top dogs just sent you the link, Lucas. So whack that one up when you get a chance. Now, obviously, I think we, we're all going to probably put Astralis in the, in the number one slot. Is there any any arguments to be no, made there? There's no way. Okay. So I'm glad we established that. But MSL, now, you're going to be a little bit biased here, obviously. But looking at the teams as they stand right now, Heroic having to rebuild, the top three has to include, well, Astralis being number one, then it's between you and, and Mad Lions, right? Do you think you have Mad Lions covered now they've picked up uh, Acillian? Um, I would say that in the future, I think that we will be better than them. But right now, they have made better results than us. Um, but I'm not really like I'm not so interested in uh, the the list in Denmark because I want to be at the very top. And if you are comparing yourself with uh, with Madlines or any other Danish team than Astralis, then I think that you are not really going anywhere. That's so, a good point. It's not not very ambitious, is it? Just to want to be the best in your country when you can be the best in the in the world, right there. But so, for argument's sake, right now, would can ask we, something about about Mad Lions just while we're on the topic? Yeah, like, go for it. How do you think they made this this jump kind of out of nowhere? When it was it was always Astralis first, except that maybe period of a couple of months when you you just you were Dignitas North at that kind of an era. But since then, Astralis number one, and there was always like North. Heroic kind of trying to like displace North and then no other teams kind of being like some other teams, Danish teams, kind of okay teams, but Mad Lions and Trick before just kind of in the last year rocket skyrocketed up to like almost 10 top 10 right now. So how, how did that actually ha happen? Like, you know, on a kind of global Danish scale, let's say. Like how uh, Mad Lions improved so much? Yeah, how did they yeah. overcome North and Heroic, which were kind of usually in a country you have this, you have a clear 
I guess like a scale. There's an, the first team, then when they need a player, they go to the second team, and there there's this kind of order that's made inside of a country. And and this time, Madeline just jumped up to to the number two. Let's say, how, how did that happen? I think uh, in the past, uh, North and also me have made bad decisions that have uh, helped Madlines a bit. Uh, but I think that Madlines have a very good team, like of really good talent. And I think they are playing a lot individually. And uh, yeah, I, I just think they are really, really good individually. Uh, and what, do you, what do you make of the Hunden decision? Do you think that was a good one or a bad one? Uh, at first, I was actually thinking that it was a bad decision, but I would also say that I I also said to the other guys that I think that they came to the conclusion that if they want to get even higher, they need to take a make a change there. And it's risky because maybe it could have like gone to shit because Hunton probably gave a lot of structure and uh, calmness. So... Yeah, I just think they thought they wanted to get even uh, higher, and I can understand that mentality. Okay, sweet. I don't have too much more in Danish CS, boys. What about you two, Prof Striker? No, really. Obviously, like, yeah. yeah, you go, you go. I don't know. I was, I'm still forming the, the question. Go for it. I just wanted to ask, like, what, what do you think is next for Hunden? Where, where should he go? Would you pick him up as a, as a coach? What is, the, what is the potential for him now? I think he could be a good coach. He learned he learned me a lot back then. Uh, so yeah, I think he can help. I would say that he is pro. He would probably be better on a team that is not so tactically, where he can help tactically. I don't think he is the kind of guy that can manage a team very good, like uh, uh, like I would say, like uh, mentality wise and so on. But I think in game he can bring a lot. But I wouldn't change a thing because I'm pretty happy with John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he could come in as like a, I don't know, like an analyst type thing or, or, or something like that. Maybe that, that could help. Yeah, maybe. I, get, I always get worried with, with those kind of things, right? Because if you have two very like strong leaders or at least people who are very like, uh, they have clear ideas on how they want to approach the game. I think that's a bit of a problem. I think that's like something with the Stan as Lord Chet situation as well is Stan strikes me as the type of guy who has one way, which he likes to approach things and it's his way. And I can imagine Chet, you know, when there's the, uh, results are dipping saying, Hey, maybe we should go for a different approach. And that's probably a big reason as to why those guys didn't end up where they needed to be. But uh, where are we at right here? Let's kick her forward. We're going to go into uh, MSL versus Twitch chat. It's everybody's favorite time of the day. Lucas, hit it. We're on. And we have a shirt to give away, guys. So we have something to give for you guys. So we, uh, we're going to do the... Am I still the only person who won this so far? I think I am. Anyway, uh, it, it, Malik won. Malik, Malik won. won. Yep. Oh shit! I, sorry, yeah. guys. I didn't watch the episodes. So I wasn't on. Yeah, um, giveaway only. Only if Twitch chat wins. So they need to like. They need to earn it, right? Okay. How many questions we got here for MSL today? Five. Five questions. Have Have we given him the link, Lucas? Okay, so let's get MSL to open that bad boy up. What I'm going to do, MSL, is I'm going to uh, read the question out loud for our audio viewers. Uh, then you will answer the question. You know, 
don't say it out loud. Just click the one you want. As soon as the timer ends, Lucas will pop her up and we'll see the results right there. You can also so, fake out the viewers, you know, you know, say something like whatever, like the wrong answer and, and try to fake them out that way if you want. You probably it's are going to, to need to do some strats like that because these these cheeky bastards out there, they love a good old Google. They tell they, they tell me they're not Googling, but I, I got a feeling they are. So we ready to get this one underway? So it's a, it's a question that I need to answer the right one or yeah the multi-choice yep. we give you abc so we, we keep it pretty uh pretty easy for everybody at home but we've had some difficult questions out. these are written by prof so if they're shit questions i apologize let's get us started lucas all right here we go who got the last kill of the pgl crackout major was it a dren kng or was it zeus now this is a trick question ladies and gentlemen think about it I want you all in the Twitch chat to use your head here. This is the PGL Krakow Major. It was between Immortals and Gambit. That was the grand final. You got a couple seconds left to get what your votes on it. What the fuck in. is this question, Prof? Jesus Christ. Well, it has to be. There's, uh, you're already down to two two names, right? Unless Where it's a trick you? question. Well, that's the thing. Uh, all right, let's uh, reveal the votes. MSL, who'd you pick? You've gone with Adren. <laughs> They've gone with Zeus. They were correct. Uh, that's a 50-50 right there. Look, there's no way anyone. It could have been KG, like a like a Molly or something, like ended up with a bomb explosion or whatever type thing. Yeah, you know, uh, it could have been. It was, it was, it was just a. I don't know. For me, it was a memorable, memorable moment. Zeus getting the last kill in the one v one and just like celebrating, taking off his shit. But it was like a super hard question, just okay. to fuck with everyone. Well, obviously. Twitch chat are closer to getting a t-shirt now. So let's go with question number two. Let's bring that bad boy up for everybody at home. How many Brazilians were a part of Liquid player or? Coach, was it A, 2, B, 3, and C, 4? I'm going to assume this was at any given time. This wasn't uh, throughout the history of Liquid. It was at any given time. I'm not certain if yeah. that's the critique here, but this one here, people should be. Surely people get this one. Don't say that. <laughs> here we go. I was just bashing at myself. He gets it out. <laughs> immediately. Two seconds left right now, and let's reveal the votes, ladies and gentlemen. Is Twitch chat correct on this one? Oh, everyone's gone for I'm pretty three sure here. Uh, two is the correct. Four is oh. the correct answer? <laughs> Wait, what? No, he uh, doesn't okay. mean at, at a time. He means like throughout. That's how you guys really wow, misunderstood each other. Wow, I it all for everybody. So, but uh, who's the Theo, fourth one? What the fuck? Theo Zeus. Theo uh, Zeus. Taco. Taco. And Peacemaker. 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 Oh, oh okay. Oh, that's a bullshit one. All right. Question number three. <laughs> Let's bring her up. Let's get her going. Which three players are tied for the most HLTV top 20 appearances? Uh, is it A, Device Dupree, Zipex, B, Device Dupree, Guardian, or C, Device Guardian, Kenny S? Which three players are tied for the most HLTV top 20 appearances? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. This is... I. Ooh. <laughs> What would I, you know, say, I think Jeff? I know. I want to go with C. I don't know. You want to go with the op abusers? Yeah, I think so. That's what everyone's going for. MSL and Twitch chat both going for Device Guardian. And it was Device ah. Dupree and Guardian. Okay, so Kenny obviously dipped out of for a few years there. I completely forgot about that one. Question number four coming on up around the corner. Twitch chat, I'm going to, they've only got one here. We got to get another one back on the board, boys. Come on. All right. Oh, it's JKS. Which player did JKS replace when joining Vox Eminor in 2014? Was it A, Havoc, B, Top Gun, or was it C, Sniper? A, Havoc, B, Top Gun, C, Sniper. Jazzy Bear looking very baby-faced right there. Not much, much different than today, to be honest. 
Yeah, he doesn't. His hair's a little bit different, and he talks a little bit more. And occasionally, he'll smile. Where where are we leaning in this one? Four, three, two, one. Oh, hey, havoc! Everyone incorrect here today. It was sniper. Um, so I thought this. Was, I thought this was an easy one. Honestly, I you want to know how wild this is? Oh, I'm, I don't give a fuck anymore. This is ten years ago, anyway. Um, when I was, I I used to to date a girl um, who. Me and Surprise. Sniper used to live. Yeah, me and Sniper used to live in the same state. We're from the same place. Um, and I used to date this girl, and I met her when I was like fucking. I swear I was like sixteen or some shit. Anyway, like I was, I, uh, and we used to play Counter Strike, and we'd all go to all the lands and all this kind of bullshit. Um, and then a couple years ago at an IEM Sydney, she comes up to me right, and she goes, "Hey Chad, did did you kick Ian from the team um, because we broke up?" And I was like, "Are you fucking serious? We picked JKS because <laughs> he's the best player in the country." I was like, "What? What? What is going on?" Anyway, I'm, 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 I'm getting us away from where we need to be right now. Let's get into question number four, five, five. Question five. Let's get on the board, MSL. We can do it. All right. Which team did Hiko play for between Cloud Nine and Liquid? Was it A T S M? Was it B? I don't even know how to say that. Or was it C Splice? Are you sure it's an easy one? Nylon. Are you sure it's an easy one? You said easy one. Oh, there's Garrett in the background. Look at everyone here. This is Food. Food, who now plays for Swole Patrol, is the admin there. Oh, I think really? that's him. He was doing MDL, so if it's not him, he was at some other MDL. Okay. That's, that's crazy. pretty racist of you if it's not him. Oh. I mean, all right. Look. They've gone with Splice. It looks like him, kind of. Who's. Okay, yes. we got one on the board. We tied up. Twitch chat, get fuck all. Thank God. We saved them from the shirt here. Don't well, worry about one it. One. We won't give them anything. We don't need no to one's anything getting anything at all. Anything. No one was anything. <laughs> You're Everyone bad. loses here today. We're all losers here today. Uh, and MSL will tie with the Twitch chat right there. So I like the Thanks way that one went down. Were you the difficulty of this? MSL, MSL do, you, do you hate me right now because of these questions? No, <laughs> I was not sure about any of them. They were pretty hard. He makes them yeah. all hard. Just don't worry about it. Like he 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 asked a question. It was like during such and such ace, what what was the last player he killed or some shit? It's like yeah, these bro, questions are fucking impossible, man. I don't I, even remember the ace. I need to get more memorable highlights to to like do questions on, but okay. uh, but it will happen. Maybe yeah, we did one for do... the for the simple one, simple like jumping thing, right? Uh, the Coldzera jumping thing? No, no, no. Sim ah, simple I, did the, I did the simple as well, yeah. Crimson yeah, yeah. flush shot or Dennis. I don't know. Who knows? All right. Well, no one wins anything here today, so we're going to keep this going. We're going to move on to the map pool discussion that we want to have right now. Uh, and I, I guess the best place to start is uh, as well with, with MSL here as a current active professional player. Are you happy with the map pool at the moment? Do you think it's in a good spot? Mm, yeah, I, I think it's a, in a pretty good spot. I would say that right now for me, Train and Vertigo is probably the maps that I don't like so much. Um, I think Vertigo is still kind of like there's a lot of randomness in like taking A control and and yeah. On you guys were getting all those bloody warband kills the other day, mate, versus uh, Mouse Force. That was wild. Yeah, Nick uh, Gate is pretty good through the walls, so that's nice. But yeah, I think uh, Vertigo is still pop up and train i just feel like uh getting out team mid and doing fast off is a bit too easy uh st and train has always been like i never felt that one team have uh like really got train in the pocket so it's like i think it's a it's a bit of a weird map 
Well, there was a time when SK had a very, very good um, record on it. Yeah, like 17 and 0 or something, right? Yeah, yeah that was uh, 2016, though. But, yeah, long, but yeah. I agree, like, since then, it's not like a team really built, built like, a strong run on, on train. It's mostly these, like, fifth to eighth teams that have, like, a pretty strong train, like the Ents, Renegades, stuff like that. Those are maybe NRG at some point had, had a good train. But yeah, if, I agree, kind of. In the in the map pool right now, Emerson, what do you actually think is is the like if you had to pick the best three maps, the ones that that play the best in terms of how it feels in the server? What which which feel the best for you? If I should pick what is good for our team, no, not for your team. Obviously, like I, my teams in the past used to like playing maps that I fucking hated, but we still played them. Like anyway, is there any maps that you like personally feel comfortable on the, the, above yeah. the rest? Yeah, I like uh, I like those two a lot. Uh, I so, would say I like Nuke as well. Dust Two is a curious one. Dust Two is one that uh, even Prof tweeted out some changes to do with Dust Two yesterday. You, you think Dust Two in its current form is is a good map, or do you think it, it needs some changes? Because that's one that we talk about with the double doors, um, people still being able to get spammed or tagged or whatever. With the Krieg gone, it's it's not as bad. But you think how it plays at the moment it, it is good? I mean, it's. Yeah, I actually think it's pretty good. I just like those two because it's a lot of mid-round calling and you just... you. I still feel like it's very tactically and it's a lot of mid-round calls. So that's why, why I like it a lot. Okay. So we've obviously got uh, Vertigo, which has just been updated again. Uh, now, for me, I've when the new maps come out, because I don't play professionally anymore, I try to play them as much as I can. Obviously, it's at a very low level, but it's just to get a feeling for it. Um, so every version of Vertigo that's come out, I've, I've played as much as I possibly could. And, and this new one that's come out, I actually think that a lot of the ideas which we were talking about in the very early stages of Vertigo being released, like bomb sites being made to feel wider and details along, making sure you actually can fight for certain map control. Do you think the map's now in, in, a, in a good place or are you still not sold? I'm not so sold. I would, yeah, I'm not sure what I would change, but I feel like B side is is very very open now, and the duels like from if people get B side, the duels from window to B side feels is very awkward, and I think it's, yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure, but I I think it will be a big big team map. Uh, as soon as people have figured out how to to do it okay so that's uh, that's good to keep i guess dust 2 is the only t-sider map we have in, in the pool at the moment right prof uh, i guess that would that would be i mean vertigo is the most decided i think from what we have right now but uh dust 2 is the outside of that dust 2 is the more most t-sided map but overall that's the thing that i don't really like about dust 2 is just because how the economy works plus the t-sidedness kind of makes makes these some 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 rounds pretty i don't, i wanted to challenge uh, msl's dust two take right there when he said that's a pretty tactical map and then on the other side like train being random don't you think that just because of how the cities have to play on dust two which is a lot of like let's say going for long where you can then be abused with a, like a fast mid to b split or something like that doesn't that make dust two pretty pretty random as well I, I thought the same as you uh, some time ago that Dust2 was very random, but I think you can find find solutions without going for long. 
And uh, I think there's a lot of tactics and a lot of different variations that you can run as T-side. And I still think on CT that you have options to go offensive. So I think, yeah, I like the map uh, how it is. Okay. Flashbacks, flashbacks to Stockholm where you guys beat Astralis 16-1, but before that you did, like got 16-0 on, on it or something. Yeah. At that, <laughs> that time, was I, I think it was pretty random. But <laughs> I think that uh, at least for us, we have found ways to cope with like long against Astralis. We ran like 15 fast tactics in that match. I don't think you can do that anymore. So... Yeah. I think you can do that if you can get the momentum early. Like you can still keep running things like that, but it's just it's going to be like very rare matches that if this happens. What what about the spawns on Dust2 though? That is something that a lot of people have been complaining about. Like uh, having long spawns in certain ma like if you have a long spawn and you're eco or you have like low utility in that round, then you can't really take long. And then when you want to go long, you you spawn like four guys towards B. And that is a thing that people have also been complaining about, that that then can turn, turn around your whole like T side. How do you deal with that part of the map? I think that uh, for us, like uh, our defaults are working very, very good and just tactics out from default. So we are not relying on long takes. So it's not so important for us. And I think if you... If you really go into details on CT, you can easily st shut down a long take. It's okay. and that's what I like with those two is that it's a lot about adaption uh, on long and uh, adaption mid round, which for some other maps, I feel like it's less. And I think the best CS is where there's a lot of adaption mid round in general. Okay. That's uh, not a bad take at all. Uh, now, let's do this. Striker, we'll start with you. If you okay. could pick any map right now to remove from the pool, what would it be? Why? Uh, and then we'll we'll do that with everybody, and then we'll get into discussion on what would replace it afterwards. So just what map do you, would you want to have removed right now? And why? I mean, for me, it's a pretty obvious one. Hit me. I can. You can guess it, I think. Well, for me, it would be Mirage, mate. Well, so for me, it would be I Vertigo, for sure. So you, you think Vertigo is not in a, in a place where we should keep it? Well, for... obviously it isn't if, if Valve keeps changing it. Like they don't think it's it's in a good state. So I feel like like with the with how much it's been changed, I feel like it's just time for it to to go and just like have Valve rethink the entire map and, and actually like redo it again, like on a, on a very big scale to figure out how it can work rather than, you know, having it updated like every two months or every few months with like pretty significant stuff that teams need to learn on the fly all the time. Sure. So I think that's that makes it pretty obvious the Vertigo should go out. Okay. What about you, Prof? What map you got? Uh, I had a change of mind Ooh. in the last week. And Ooh, I think I'll be right back. needs to be updated. Cool. There we go. All right. Okay. I, can, I, can see Mirage. I can see the, the, the reasoning behind Raj. Go ahead. Just because it became... Uh, Oh, first of first of all, visually it looks the worst. I think that's just because it has been updated the the first, let's say, of all of these maps. So visually updated, yes. Other than that, I think just it's become kind of like not even on the top level. I still see on the top level kind of cool things that that teams pull out from time to time. But but it ca has become like pretty stale. Like half of the, you don't even play the map. Like you play like six levels of adaptation to how people play the map now like you, you're literally just dropping all of those you're, you're pre-mollying the window like as a ct you're mollying yourself off that as a thing that you're doing you're smoking yourself off in connector 
then you're smoking yourself off in like the then the T's are smoking off connector towards A. It's like it's everyone knows so much what needs to be done that doing like a slight redo of the map could refresh all of those things and make it kind of make people rethink everything that's being done right now that's what i think needs to needs to happen i, I do I, think it's a bit awkward for the cts the the map at this point as it is so i i do i can see that for sure uh, mirage would probably be my second pick to be honest uh, as well just because of the same same uh, reasoning yeah, I'm I'm with I'm with Prof, and that's because I'm on the the viewer side of things. Um, I think from a viewing standpoint as well, it's become very played out. Like, what what do we see here? Okay, well they're going for mid control. Oh, did they win the connector fight? No. Okay, well they probably lose the round. All right. Like the you can watch how these rounds are unfolding, and and you can see that oh they're doing a fast B, they're doing a fast B split here. Oh, there's there's no one playing cat. They're defending from the back of the site. They've taken down two on cat. They've stopped the B holes rush. Okay, cool. If they're close in the site, oh he's picked a bad timing. Carrigan pulled out a molly. He's over one by like you can the map just is very clear to see what the outcome is going to be before we get stuck into it. But then when you get into the mid rounds, like when you watch like a phase play for example, you get into the mid rounds, then it can be exciting. I just hate the oh okay well, mid control. Oh, you're walking underpass, or they're clearing connector. It's just so played out for me in that in that sense. And it's like, when my job is to create the content around it, that's why I'm a little bit more jaded with it. I can imagine from a player's perspective, they're just like, yeah, Mirage is fine. We know Mirage. We know it's not something new we have to learn. But I think that's where the balance is. I mean, there's the community balance, and there's obviously the professional balance, and then the viewership balance of what people want to watch. And that, that's always going to be a hard one to find. MSL, I'm going to assume, now we got you back here, you, you're either removing Train or Vertigo if you got to remove a map right now. Uh, I wouldn't if uh, if I thought about the team because okay. we're pretty good. We are good on Vertigo and Train is becoming a strong map for us as well. So, what map would you remove then if you had to if to pick from all in the pool? Mirage, Mirage as a team, yeah. There we go. So Mirage is done because we all fucking hate Mirage now. Uh, let's go. We'll go reversal now. So if you had to add a new map, MSL. Now I don't know if you've looked at Anubis. I don't know if you still have good memories of Tuscan, or if you think Cobble should come back. Maybe the new version of Cage could be anything. You could pick a map I've never even heard of. If is there a map in mind that you think Aztec. would come in and be a good seventh? I would like Cobble back. Cobble, Cobble. was uh, yeah. You're a good, well, you guys good liked it. Right? You guys definitely yeah. liked it. Yeah. We uh, I loved that map. <laughs> the old version, right? Yeah. The new version yeah. fucking sucks. I, yeah, I completely I, forgot what it looks like. I, to be I haven't even seen it. Don't the... don't look at it. It'll make you cry. Do not okay, even okay. don't go look at it. it it's I'm, nothing like you remember. I'm down for Tuscan as well. I liked uh, Tuscan a lot in Source, and uh, yeah, I think that's a great map. I just really hope that Cash won't come back. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a map you didn't like. Yeah, I, I don't like that you have three offensive CT plays you can do, and uh, everyone is doing the same. So, yeah, cash fucking uh, sucks. The new cash also sucks. And please don't bring it back. Well, <laughs> please, just one thing, one thing. I'm begging you, yeah. just like do anything. Destroy, like keep Mirage. Even just destroy it. Make like nothing on the A site. Just like everything's open. I don't know. Open up the B site even more. But just don't bring back cash. Cash is <laughs> trash. I agree. I, I look. I looked at um, if people at home want to do this as well. Go take a look at uh, Brute's most recent recent version of of Tuscan uh, on the workshop. I was looking at it about a week and a half ago, I think it was. And the map I haven't actually played on it, so I don't know about like clipping issues or like how it plays when you're when you're actually in a, in a game like that. But uh, just looking at it, running around it, it has a pretty nice feel to it. It still has. Um, a lot of boxes as it was in, in the 1.6 and source days that you actually had to boost your teammates on. So it's some teamwork. It's crazy. Um, but I think, I think the, the problem with, 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Just I think the problem with Tusk could, at least from what I remember, what it looked like is just that it doesn't really fit CS in terms of uh, skyboxes and stuff like that, and, and the strategies that you can do with uh, with Nate specifically. I feel like there isn't enough opportunity there. Yeah, from I what I remember, think... I don't know if it's been updated since then. I don't think like the A box lobby, the walls are open to the A site, yeah, um, exactly. but they, they could probably fix fix that. You know, I think that's where we would be looking because before you'd have to go up the ramp or you'd have to go fast mid control to throw those kind of nades. But I think Tuscan in terms of, of um, a map configuration and the way that it can play would be a cool one there. Um, and also Anubis, it's that fits into a CSGO map, I think. Um, I looked at that, has a couple of cooler maneuvers and stuff that we don't have on any other map, but, but it's a lot for people to learn. So that's why like, if it was me, I'd, I'd pick Tuscan Striker. What map do you want back? Um, definitely not Kabul. I hate, hated to play Kabul, hated to watch Kabul, to be honest. I agree with... Ka- the problem is, like, I don't, I don't even know. I agree with Cash being weird. Same as same as Mirage at this point. I feel like it's just too weird for CTs at this point. Too, too few opportunities on it. What's people's so, problem with Kabul? Because I, I am with MSL. I really like, like Kabul. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't like to play it for the reason that... Like you kind of need to know needed to know a lot of smokes, a lot of pretty advanced smokes and stuff like that, a lot of like strategies to do anything STs, because otherwise you just get picked off. And from from a watching standpoint, I just I don't know. I'm not even sure what I didn't didn't like about it. Just I mean, like back then, the CT aggression was non-existent. Yeah, yeah, that's almost. that's true too. That's true like too. you could fight for the platform for the first like 15 seconds or something, but that wasn't really an option either. They did do some changes with that, like stare to the B plateau. But other than that, like A, you couldn't do anything. Mid picks were like super dumb. Like you had one guy, one T standing like somewhere T spawnish, holding like that area, and four guys in B halls. This, this I never understood though, right? Like I get that it's very difficult for CTs to go for aggressive plays. I used to have to do the the mid door one where you drop like the deeper mid door smoke, and then you'd lurk into the left hand side and use the one way to look on up, right? Like I'd use plays like that to to get info. But I think what people need to to keep in mind is that that map you start in a bomb site. Like you spawn in a bomb site, so you pushing forward and taking close mid doors and close a long. That is an aggressive CT move. I know that. Like if you really wanted to change it, maybe make the T spawns a little bit closer to get to a quicker. If you wanted to have that as a as a conversation point, but I never understood that. And if executes were boring to people, mate, I used to fucking love watching like E battle doing the geeky shit from spawn. And I know MSL and I we played against each other in Cobble. Like it was like at a DreamHack fucking London or some shit. Like his team had a bunch of set pieces. My team had a bunch. Of, it was like. It was like the brains going to war with who's got the geekiest set piece, you know? I love that shit. That for me but is like... I mean, drop zone was just a pain in the ass for, for both sides, to be honest, for me. I think from, from my perspective, I guess like a lot of CS changed a lot since then and the meta changed and people do smarter things. Like even the, the geeky smokes that you said, they they existed back then, but nowadays people do a lot of more geeky, geeky stuff on the... On literally every round, three geeky pop flashes stupid plays are happening so maybe people now could do better on the map on the ct side but from what i remember watching the cobble back then it was literally cts even when you knew it was going to be a b hit you couldn't do anything because there's nowhere you could stand rotate in on the b bomb site to actually hold against the the execute obviously like maybe people now would 
use their utility better to stop executing the stuff. But back then, that was an issue. You could see literally like five on five on the Bebop site and the T's would win most of the time. And it was like the same kind of like defaulty stuff as well. Like you basically like mollied out drop zone when both sides were like smoked it out stuff. And CTs basically had no chance of holding it. They just had to give it up unless you were somebody like Code Zero or whoever who just played it fucking like amazingly and just got multi kills there somehow. Um, un unless you were a player like that, you basically had to give up drop zone if they had the utility, if these had the utility for it. And then you're like, you're being split on B and you just have to watch drop zone from both sides. And then you have the platform on top of that where the executor is coming from. So I think from that point of view, like the rotations were just so awkward on, on Cobble and just like, it was the same thing to watch every time like T's did the same default. Sure. I think like a couple of changes to that could help. Like if you, instead of having the B double doors that you come through as double doors, you just open that up to an archway. It gives the CTs more options to retake instead of just being going through that single choke point, right? Like a couple of variations there might have, might be able to help, but that's not in the map pool right now. So which one did you say you wanted to bring back? I in? actually have no fucking clue. That's the thing. Like, oh. I don't I'm not familiar enough with Anubis. I just walked through it, but I just have to play it to kind of get a feel of the timings, especially. So it's just difficult for me to say around like new maps. So it's like out of the three that that that, or two, I guess that, that are an option. It would be neither. It wouldn't be cobble or cash. Okay. What about so, you? Yeah, we'll just know. say you don't have one. And now, now this can either just because of the problems that I said. Maybe if it was like got updated and got CS gold a little bit more, I feel like that'd be a good one. You got anything prof that's sticking out? Mm, definitely Aztec. In some sort of a rework, <laughs> okay. but less green because of the models. Aztec okay. would be amazing. I feel like that, it has potential to be a sick map. That's a good. That's a good point right there that you just brought up with the models. Uh, MSO, what's the model rule right now when you guys are playing in uh, the the Road to Rio? Is it a gentleman's agreement not to use the the skins, or is it are they are they banned? Yeah, it's a gentleman agreement from okay. all the teams. That's nice. That's a that's a good thing. Maybe we should uh, let everyone know that we're we're doing that because those things can be uh, quite the nuisance right there. Now, uh, we've we do we have now? Nah, fuck it. Let's move on to playtime. You got prac soon, don't you, MSL? I believe if I've been notified correctly. No, uh, we are going out to play tennis. We have we have activity today. Nice. Okay. Well, that's that's even more fun. So yeah. I, I, we got we just ordered a cricket set because we got a, all of us are basically British other than Trace, so we're probably going to play some cricket at some point. But we're going to move quickly forward into the playtime. How can so you, you can fucking put Jesus? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm not going to get into that. Throw it on, Lucas. Go. Let's do the playtime. Yeah. All right, well, we're back on air, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, thank you for holding and watching that. I don't even know who we had to animate those, but but they work. So that's cool. Um, so we got questions from Twitter and Instagram and you guys here within the Twitch chat. Uh, but I kind of wanted to start a, a conversation. Uh, Prof reminded me of this about the, the, I guess it's drama, I suppose, that's been going on with FPL at the moment. Um, I didn't really look firsthand at what the problem was, but then I was starting to read some of the articles that people were writing about it uh, in the post and saying, you know, that this is being touted as the ground where players are being, you know, picked on up or a, a place to nurture talent. Others are saying, you know, this is a place where, where the, only the best of the best, the pros should be playing type thing. Do you have a bit more on this drama, Lucas? Uh, not Lucas, Prof? Fuck, why did I say? I was reading Lucas and that's why I said Lucas. Uh, yeah, I think you kind of summed it up pretty, pretty accurately. Uh, obviously, there are, FPL is like the 
top level of those pug leagues on face it and you can qualify for it using like the face it premium you go into fplc qualifier then fplc then fpl qualifier or maybe some other routes but that's more or less the gist of it and uh, the issue was that recently like 90 percent of the people playing fpl were not like actual top 20 top 30 team players but these guys that qualified or like some some players that got invited like a year ago or something and are not on a team nowadays so the the pros the nikos and the simples and stuff like that were not happy with playing with these guys all the time and some people are maybe disrespectful or blah blah so that that's more or less the the short story of uh, of why the some changes were happening and then massive kicks and stuff like that yeah that all went down recently where a lot of people were uh, were removed now msl do you play a lot of a lot of fpl is it something you see as a, as a positive uh, I don't really play FPL at all, um, so I don't know how it has been in there, but uh, yeah. But what do you make of, of things like FPL, right? Do you think that it, it is, a, is a good tool for uh, nurturing, you know, the next generation of talent getting to play with, with some of these pros like the Simples and Nikos of the world? Or do you think it is just uh, potentially hampering them because they're not in a traditional team working up the ranks as, as you did back in the day, for example? I would say that it's a. I think it's a good thing that they get to play with better players to improve themselves and uh, also to to be looked at and uh, that that uh, they can join a team. So in that way, I think it's good for them. I'm not sure like how bad it was since there's such a big drama about it. Uh, yeah. I'm not really sure. Do, do you play the Danish uh, Danish Gather FPL hub uh, that does two DK thing or something like that? Do you know anything um, about that? Because you mentioned at the start that D Danes always had some like good gathers, and I know that even Hunden did pick up like he played with Roy in those kind of uh, circuits, and then he picked them up from there. Uh, so any any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, we have DPL. I'm, I have played it sometimes, not so much recently. I mostly just go and play face it pucks normally, just to own people and get the uh, easy confidence. <laughs> it's, honestly, it's honestly a pretty good, pretty good uh, strategy. I like that. But uh, yeah, I think it's great for the Danish scene and also just for FPL is great. I, I think that pro players shouldn't be too uptight with this with uh, new players in and out because I think they are they are going into FPL just to have some fun and play. So why shouldn't it be like then give some room anyway? Like, I don't know. Yeah, we definitely, definitely sure. see that. Like it's people have taken it, have been taking it a little bit too seriously for what it is basically. Like how it started, right? It's just like pro players wanting to have a place where they can just all meet up and just like do easy gathers, right? And why is it suddenly a problem that nobody like takes it so so seriously or, or something like that? I can understand that the, like sometimes players that aren't on the same skill level or just don't understand the game that's on the same level are going to be annoying. Uh, like that's going to happen. But at the same time, like it's not a massively serious competition or anything. Like you're not going in there to um, to try hard like at at, at your hundred percent most of the time. So I just don't get that part. It is it is a weird it is a weird situation. I, I think that. I, th I think that overall it's a, it's a very positive thing, but it's more having to balance the 
the egos and emotions and everything like that of everybody, right? Because everyone goes into a game like that with different things in mind. For some of these kids in there who have qualified through, they played F, they played Facer and then they went to FPLC and then they qualified to get into FPL. That's maybe a way that they pay the bills, right? Like, I think that's something else that needs to be thought of here. This is also a way for people to make substantial amounts of money, right? The prize money for winning FPL is, is, is pretty decent as well, right? I don't actually uh, yeah, know what it is, but I, I, I forgot forgot what it was. But it was like you know, it's like if you if you win a couple of months, like you're gonna be pretty okay. Yeah. So like, there's that for a lot of people, that's like a way that they can look at making some money. So um, people in chat are saying it's roughly four four point five k something along those lines. Go. So with, with that in mind, you know, for for people, they could be using that as a way to earn a paycheck. So everybody's going in wanting to get different things out of FPL. You know, maybe one kid goes in wanting to get picked up and put on Astralis. Maybe one kid goes in and he just wants to get a chance to play with better players and, and grow a bit as an individual. Maybe a pro player goes in and wants to just have a bit more fun. Uh, you know, there's all these different options with it. And I think that especially considering the current time that we're in, everyone just needs to be a little bit more understanding of each other. We just need to be a little bit nicer to each other and you know, all that shit. Now, Prof, you got any questions for Mr. MSL from our social medias? Yeah, we got a bunch. Uh, there's a question about, well, I mean, we touched a bit about North and like the new stuff, but there's a question, uh, just give me a second, about uh, uh, North wanting to bring in a sports psychologist. What's the process like, goals, impact? So we didn't touch on sports psychologists directly. What are your, how, how has that been? It has been uh, very good. Uh, he is just... Uh making everyone work really, really hard and uh, making sure that people are committed and going all in. I can't talk too much in details and what he is doing, but I can say that I was uh, pessimistic about uh, like psychologists uh, like in the past and also in North uh, before, like before I got kicked. Uh, we had like five different that wasn't committed to it. So it was really, really like it wasn't something for me. So I just told like in the beginning when I joined, if 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 you are here, then I need you to be 100 percent. And uh, he is 100 percent. And uh, I'm happy that that I found someone who is uh, as much all in as me. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, he's really, really good. He sits, he sits next to Jumpy while you guys are playing, right? I think we had it one time where we got to actually watch you guys within the, the facility, your practice facility. It was Jumpy and the performance coach, right? Sitting next to each other as the game was live? Yeah. Yeah, so he's very, he seems very hands-on in, in that regard, right? And I think that having those people to be able to offer any kind of advice for things is, is, a, is a positive one. And like we talked about before, that amount of workload he's doing for you guys, it sounds like a, it's, it's a godsend, mate. We need, we need more of that in our lives, I think. Wait, aren't those, so is that wait? Is that one person like the performance coach is also a, a, a psychologist, or is that two different people? Yeah, he's like a psychologist, but he is performance coach oh, okay, got in, it. as okay. a title. Because uh, I almost thought that there was like an extra person who who did the psychology part of it. Okay, fair enough. He's doing it all. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a question, uh, the classic one. What does MSL think his team needs to become a championship contender? That's a very classic question. Mm, I think uh, like it's cliche to say work hard, but in the end, it's what it's about. Like uh, there are so many good teams now that uh, you're not gonna be like uh, top five in uh, in two months. So 
it's all about working hard every day, uh, improving every day. And uh, I think that our team is on the right way and we just need to keep going. And the thing with working hard, like everyone is saying it, but I think people, everyone thinks they can't be working harder than they do. But uh, like I'm working very, very hard and I know that I can still like sometimes not uh, watch Netflix and so on. So I think... Uh, you're gonna make me feel bad, mate. Don't don't fucking say that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So yeah, that's uh It's a good attitude to have, right? But do you think that's the biggest difference? Because you've obviously played with Daisy Kirby, uh Cajun plenty of times before. Do you think the biggest difference this time around is the change of structure of support stuff? Because um everybody seemed to be playing to a to a very good level when you guys played against mouse sports right like cajun i think he was towards the bottom but when you guys were against phase he had a good level right like everybody in the team looks like you know it's not not a, a team where someone's hemorrhaging in terms of frags you think it's just the support system or the work or what is it i think it's every, everything coming together like obviously before when i got kicked since then it was like no system no like I don't think even the players believed really in what was going on. So I think it's people believing in me and what I'm coming with. And then that we have this support, support staff that is helping with uh, improving everyone uh, as much as they can. I think it's it's really making a huge, huge difference. So the perfect storm, basically. It's just uh, good timing as, as well as everything kind of aligned. Yeah, but I would say that like we had a good game against Mouseports, uh, and I think our A game is like we can win against any team. But what everyone is struggling with, including us, is consistency, and that that's where you need to. Uh, we need to keep like uh, working really hard to get that. Uh, and I'm I think we are on the right way. I'm what? just curious. You guys, you were talking about you know going to tennis with the guys. Do you still? Like have you throughout what's going been going on, right? Have you still um, been meeting up at the office and, and playing from there, or do you play more online? Basically, how has it affected the preparation? Yeah, we are playing from the office every okay. every time. Uh, yeah, so nothing has changed for us. I want to I want to quickly touch on this because I, we the last thing we need is, is people you know going out of their way to try and blow this stuff up. A lot of teams are doing stuff in team houses at the moment. We know the global situation going on, but. Uh, as long as people are being sensible and safe and washing their hands and wearing their masks and not endangering lots of other people, then, you know, the small gatherings of human beings, I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying if it is for your job, obviously, we know that can come together. I'm doing it right now. We go to a TV studio. I see the same six people every day of my life. I know some people are concerned out there about that one, but let's just be safe and smart, ladies and gentlemen. We'll get through this. Um, I had a question, MSL, that I wanted to to ask that's just left my brain because I was going on a rant about fucking coronavirus. Um, fuck. It's gone. Prof, you got another one? Maybe it'll stimulate me. Maybe it'll come back. Um, there, there was a rumor about uh, when you left North that a part of it was about like salary-based thing, that something along the lines of uh, they wanted to maybe stimulate the star players more or something like that. And then you, even though you're in-game leader and some people say that you're doing more more work and most likely you are doing more work than, than the average player, you're getting like a, a salary cut or, or a lower salary than others. Was that like something that happened? Was that part of the reason why, why the North exit happened? No, not at all. I would never, salary wouldn't be anything with me leaving a team or anything else. I'm not really, like, of course, I want to be paid uh, 
did good, but it's, I'm all about winning. And uh, it was not about that. I think that, uh, yeah, me and Wimp wasn't on the same page. And uh, uh, yeah, I made some stupid tweets that uh, also didn't help. So that like you you used to have that uh, kind of skill for finding the worst time to to tweet about like things just in general like complain about something at an event just after you lost to an underdog and stuff like that even though the the tweet made sense and like maybe the critic uh, the critique of the of the event was fine like pe most of the people just found it like ah oh, uh, this is just an excuse uh, for, excuse for losing and stuff like that uh, i guess you you learned from that not not really seeing those anymore so the, the community really likes to bash on people when they when they think something is an excuse for for losing right that that's not the not a yeah. nice thing to have i mean it it's my own mistake but yeah i agree that it's uh like when i have said something people think it's because it's excuse or whatever but it's not really uh i'm just i always expect people to give 110 if it's like a event organizer if it's uh, my players, whatever, and especially, for example, it was at a major where everything uh, was not good and like I'm doing everything to be the best I can be and then when things are not working, then I get frustrated because I expect more of people. Uh, so, yeah. About what, about the, what about the backlash out of it? Are you a guy who kind of cares about what people think or do you not really give a shit? Uh, I would lie if if it didn't uh, affect a bit, but uh, I have I have been in this game a long time now, so for me anymore it doesn't affect me in the same way it did uh, some years ago. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it can be a very very tumultuous time. I think now that we don't have CS:GO Lounge anymore, that that helps uh, <laughs> a lot because those times were fucking grim as shit but it's it's uh it's it's a tough one out there and especially when we're looking at you know a lot of these these kids who are coming on through like that masuta kid who's just joined um uh vitality right he had that game where he, he didn't get any frags I, I can't imagine what his social media must have looked like afterwards right like uh, and these are kids that we're talking about so like in a general thing that's uh it's a pretty fucked up one i i I can definitely, I'm with you there. You eventually just become fucking jaded to it all and or hardened to it all. If anything, you just forget about it. But uh, I, I still haven't been able to think of that question I going on there. So do we have any I more have, social media? I have some great questions. Uh, okay. One question was, uh, can I buy HLTV? Uh, that guy yes. is a, a couple of you months late. You have like 30 million euros, I guess. A couple of months late there on that one. Uh, there's a question. This is for Striker. Says, okay. is the earth flat? Really? That's He's going to hit me with that one. That was specifically for you, titled Milan Striker <laughs> Uh There's a question about Mouseports. We, we didn't really talk, talk about that match like in detail too much, but we can talk about Mouseports. The question was, why, why are they dropping off? Uh, they lost to Movistar Riders 2-0 and they lost to North 2-0 now. Like those two results are extremely worrying, I would say, for a team of North, Cal North Mouseports caliber uh what has been going on like um, steel said in an interview that he read them out like a book more or less that they prepared and they did everything that they expected them to do i think you did something similar i saw maybe a couple of times exploiting rops's tendencies on the lurks kind of punishing him early on and stuff like that so is that the thing are mouse becoming too predictable 
I'm not sure because I I don't think Kerrigan in general is an in-game leader that becomes predictable. It's uh, it's actually more me who would become uh, predictable if anything. They are pretty like they have a lot of tactics, but I saw in the movie star game that like they exploited a default on Inferno where Robs is uh, doing a Molotov and still just go in the window and kill him like four or five times. So the thing is. Like, that's a clear anti-strat, but then Mouse should react on it after first time they die on it. So I think it's it's not so much about reading, because you get read every game in some, some case, you just need to adapt to it. So I think maybe they are not so so good energy-wise, because it's mostly when you have a lot of energy and are, are in the game, that's where people are coming in with thoughts and adaption. So... Maybe they are not so set up for these online games against weaker teams. Yeah, and they're but, they're also uh, playing against the, like the wider wider range of teams now in Pro Trio than they did at Pro League, I think. Um, yeah. So I think like the team like Movistar Riders, if they didn't do their due diligence and and try to figure out how to play against them, that would make sense to me. I so, also think that uh, that maybe the Krieg have also meant something for them because I remember playing them back uh, with the Krieg and when they got it on CT side, they locked down a lot of CT sites uh, with those Kriegs. So yeah. maybe it had a bigger impact than people think. We were interviewing them a lot within Pro League um, and we were talking about that uh, with them and they were saying, well, they were one of the teams who were trending on not buying it. They only started buying it like within the last round of a T-half and then within overtime when they got there. And and I think that Rops made a tweet not long ago saying that he's been using the AK primarily for like the last six months or something like that. So I, I'm surprised as well to see that level of a drop. But I can definitely get behind the energy stuff because I look at this team and I've had the the opportunities in the past to, to listen to the, the voice comms while they're playing. And even though, even when they're winning, like I've heard them tilting even with rounds that they've won before so i i do worry about like an energy level overall for that team but like striker this is great for me isn't it mate how many years have i got left now just four more years or some shit oh i don't know i don't remember how how long we've been going for it to be honest we have a bet going on not- so you probably haven't you probably haven't heard about this bet but striker myself and pimp so striker and pimp are on one side of the conversation and i'm on the other and i think the communication is probably one of the most vital things in Counter-Strike to make a top-tier team. And I made it, I tried to challenge these guys to a, um, a bet. They weren't keen on it, so I had to adjust it to, to get them in here. So I said, uh, what is it, Prof? Is the next five years? Five years, uh, an international team, like multicultural team, will not be top three for at least six months. So it's like it's like a mouse sports, for example, with all these different people speaking English as a second language coming together. I think that... As you mentioned with the details of Counter-Strike, I think details are lost um, because of the language barrier in high-intensity matches. And I don't think consistency can come from that. Um, so I don't know how you feel I'm just about gonna that. Say, I'm just going to say, like, if, the, if they didn't drop to fourth place and they stayed in third, like, because it was, it's been very, very close in points, it would have been five months today. Or like close to it now, so <laughs> but, but I think didn't. I think but they of didn't. course they didn't. Of course they didn't. But it, like, we're very, very, you're very, very close already, so... I'm, I feel I'm, like I have, feeling I have good. time. You think, yeah. but, but that's even what Sponge is actually like. He is betting on it being close. He's not saying it can't come close. But that's the thing. Like when it comes close, then they're gonna fuck up. And 
it has been approved so far it's been going well g2 did overtake them which is another international team but then both of the both of them fell out of the top three now it's fanatic uh, yep. astralis and navi so i i like i think that now i have also tried to be in the usa and tried english and i think that right now everything is like you agree a lot of the things before the match and you can go into details before the match. Uh, so I think it's possible that you can lose. Oh, shit. But uh, I would say that it's like, I agree with you that communication is very, very important and some things will screw up because of the English, but I uh, I don't see it as a, as of a big problem as I did before. Okay. All right, I guess I'll have to wait and see right now. We've got a couple of Look, years this is left all coming this, from a person who doesn't even speak a second language. So, of course, exactly. he's going to think there's going to be a communication issues. I tried to learn German as a 28-year-old man, and uh, I wasn't getting anywhere with that one. So, you know, I, I think I'm going to lose, but it's a, it's, it makes it more fun. It makes watching the international teams a lot more fun for everybody at home right there. All right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, it, uh, it is about at that time. We've been going for one hour, 53 minutes and 14 seconds. Uh, so we're going to shut this one down. MSL, the floor is yours. Do you want to say anything? You can say anything at all. We, you can even say cunt. You know, we, we can say whatever we want here. I don't think I can say that. Okay, <laughs> but, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank the fans that are sticking with us and uh, showing us support. We have uh, not a lot, but uh, we are grateful for the ones we have. Perfect. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back uh, with another episode. We don't have a date just yet, but it'll probably be next Monday. That's the only time that I have off, which means we probably will do another early one here. Uh, so, <laughs> Producer Lucas just went, ah. Oh. Well, yeah, so maybe we need to get Martin to change some things around so Lucas can actually uh, be all ours. But uh, we can really fire Lucas and get another guy. That's there we go. So if you want to head over to anchor.fm slash HLTVorg, uh, you can get all of our audio versions of our podcast. I will be up on YouTube within 24 hours or something along those lines. Follow us on social media. All that kind of nonsense is there too. I'll be back with another episode. So thank you very much to MSL for joining us again. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Remember, it's sunny outside. Don't see other people, but maybe get some vitamin D. Goodbye.